welcome to the latest podcast from the Recruitment and Employment Confederation. We're bringing you the latest updates and insights from the world of recruitment to help you navigate these challenging times. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the REC podcast, Talking Recruitment. My name is Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive, and today we're going to have a uh, a mosey around uh, what the REC has been up to working with government and looking at different aspects of the external environment for the sector. Uh, But we're also going to have a look at what we're seeing uh, in the markets and some of the feedback that we're getting both from REC members but also from their clients through our Good Recruitment Collective. That's the 500 businesses that are working with the REC on how to buy well from the sector. So I'm delighted to be joined by a couple of colleagues on the uh, podcast today, both podcast regulars, Tom Hadley, our Director of Campaigns, and our Sales and Marketing Director, Kate Shoesmith. Hello to both of you. Hi, Neil. Hello there. Tom, why don't we uh, kick off? There's a While the kind of... The, the regular REC weekend parties where the Chancellor announces something at 5.30 on a, on a Friday night and the documents drop about 10pm and the REC team are all over them all the weekend or have dissipated somewhat. There's still an awful lot going on in terms of getting the industry's voice into government and working through some of the unique uh, situations we find ourselves in uh, as we navigate this COVID crisis. Um, one or two things that are probably worth picking up on that I, I, I think uh, listeners will be interested to hear more about. Firstly, this week uh, we, uh, we've we written to a couple of government ministers about uh, statutory sick pay reforms. Mm. What's the background to the REC raising its voice on that? Well, I, th- I think right from the start of the lockdown, which, which feels like a long time ago now, doesn't it? But uh, uh, statutory sick pay was one of the early uh, calls to government. I think it's really coming back to the fore now. Why? Uh, partly because people are returning to work, but also uh, the track and trace uh, scheme will perhaps mean more people have to stay away from work. So the costs are potentially huge for our sector, especially as the definition of government about what constitutes a small business includes a number of agencies who are small businesses in their own right, but just because the temporary stuff on their books counts towards the overall number means that they're caught up within. So the cost implications potentially are significant, particularly at a time when we'll be expecting the sector to really help. And one of the things that a lot of people are saying is actually temporary work will be a really massive outlet for businesses, a massive outlet for workers at this time. So the last thing we want to do is to saddle huge costs onto the agency sector. So that's a, a core message. We're asking the government to, to step in and, and to guarantee payment for, say, 14 days for workers so that we're not saddling the industry with that huge amount of cost. So that's a big call for us. And again, SSPs are almost a non-mover in our top five of issues from the start of the, of the crisis and continues to be a priority this week. Yeah, I was talking to the chief executive of one agency just this morning and they were saying that, you know, the the, the breakthrough there has for them has been having to negotiate with clients who would mm. cover that cost and, and really being clear that there are circumstances in which they wouldn't be able to place for a client unless there was protection in place. Clearly, clients own businesses are under pressure as well. So as well as being a kind of impetus to make sure that when a contact tracer gets in touch, there's no uh, th- there's no untoward pressure on people to stay in the workplace rather than to isolate. There's also uh, some more economic activity that can be driven if we get this right. So, um, yeah, very, as you say, a really big theme for the REC throughout this. But as we more and more work sites open up, it's just going to get bigger and bigger as an issue. And uh, really pleased to say, as well as writing 
uh, ourselves. We've been working with other industry uh, representative bodies who are also right behind this, most notably the CBI, but also other bodies in the recruitment uh, sector like APSCO team uh, and the ALP. So a really unified approach mm. by industry together to get government to look at this one, which uh, hopefully they will do in the, in the next round of planning for that economic recovery. And lots of mm. what we're doing at the moment is focused on you know, what government needs to do to help us bounce back quickly uh, from the slowdown of the second quarter of the year. One of the ways, of course, that government can help with that is getting its own house in order as a, as a client. We talk a lot about getting infrastructure shovel-ready projects going. And one of a couple of the big uh, themes in the last couple of uh, weeks uh, here at the RIC has been movements in both the healthcare and in the education market. And I know we've been we we've been working hard to represent members and get get their view out there on some critical points. Maybe start with education. On that one, there 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 seems to still be some confusion around the rules of uh, for furlough, particularly as we approach the summer holiday. Is that right? Yes, and, and perhaps just to start with, it is important to point out our, our latest uh, webinar we did with the education sector made it clear that the vast majority of education agencies, supply teacher agencies, have followed the vast majority of eligible uh, supply teachers. So it is important to point that out. Uh, a big part of the work we've been trying to do at the RIC is at the same time highlighting it isn't that easy you know, and there are some real barriers. So some of the barriers were around lack of um, uh, clarity on some of the uh, some of the government guidance on it. There is a there is a, an admin challenge as well to furloughing staff, especially at a time when a lot of our own members had furloughed their own uh, recruitment colleagues. So so flagging that has been a big part of our work, both to government and uh, to the trade unions. Uh, one of the big topics, of course, is around pay during the summer holidays. And again, we've you know highlighted the, the sheer sheer cost of, of of doing that and the need for support for the sector. So so I think there is um, in that bilateral discussions with unions. I think people do get it. They understand actually you're running a, a recruit business like any other business. You know you you do need to be able to run it uh, cost effectively. So that becomes a real uh, ongoing challenge. But I think the data we've had from members has been really spot on in challenging some of the preconceptions that have been out there. Yeah, and I think there's a real issue there with the commercial decision agencies are having to make mm. because it's it, while ministers have said on the record that they do think that supply teachers are furloughable over mm. the, the summer holidays, that's within the context of the rules of the scheme. And when you dig into the rules of the scheme, the que- the, the risks are actually a little bit higher. So there's a commercial decision yeah. that agencies have to make. And certainly we are going to be pushing for more and more clarity for teaching agencies to make sure that they can make that uh, choice with confidence and where uh, agency teachers are genuinely furloughable we make sure that those uh, supply teachers get the support that they're able to access similar sort of story on healthcare where um, clearly healthcare agencies have been part of the heroic effort across the uh, the healthcare sector to support the NHS through COVID-19. Uh, but there's also a lot, a, a, a big issue with um, kind of some of the frameworks through mm. which uh, agency nursing and, do- and agency doctors are brought into the health service. Uh, lots of uh, contention about, for instance, the use of banks in the NHS mm. and whether that is actually saving the NHS any money. And, and the kind of the framework rates where I think it's fair to say um, sometimes procurement can be more focused on cost and quality mm-hmm. of service. That's something that I've heard a lot from our healthcare members. Is that something that's bubbling up, uh, uh, away even now? 
uh, and it's it's been a constant uh, refrain for for quite a few years uh, now. I think that's that's definitely true. We all understand the need for uh, for managing costs in the NHS. Of course, we do. But it is about sustainable supply, isn't it? And that's one of the messages we've we've tried to take forward. Our role is to try and work with framework providers to make sure that these uh, contracts are sustainable. Some of the, the the margins, you know, the feedback from members is it makes it almost impossible to supply. There's other very practical issues with some of the, with, with the particular frameworks around transfer fees, etc. Um, and essentially, it's about trying to have a dialogue. And it's not easy. This is the sharp end of some of our campaigning work. It is it is starting to veer into some of the commercials, which are not always easy to uh, to influence. But our view is this isn't just about the industry. This is about ensuring that the NHS can work with good agencies providing suitably qualified, properly checked staff, being really compliant, and that's in everybody's interest. And that's the message we'll continue to take forward in our discussions with government as well as with the framework providers. Spot on, Tom. And Kate, I think uh, you've had a lot of conversations with REC members on both of these issues over the uh, over the last few weeks. Give us a bit of a temperature check about where concerns are. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of the health and the education sectors that you've already covered, we are getting an awful lot of um, members coming to us asking for that clarity. We know that in the education sector, it has been particularly difficult um, managing the supply teachers uh, and um, support staff during this time. I just want to reinforce the point that Tom was um, uh, making is that the vast majority of our members have managed to support supply teachers, support staff during this time, which is just incredible given the pressures on them. And that's come at a significant cost um, to those businesses themselves, not just um, them drawing down government funding. Um, and I think that's really important to remember. So there's a need for clarity across the board um, in terms of the question on pay over the summer holidays will be is uh, something that we're consistently being asked about. And it is a difficult um, time, given that lack of clarity that we've had from the parliamentary question. You're absolutely right about healthcare. What's interesting there is that whereas for some members it's been the busiest time imaginable, as you'd expect, for an awful lot, it's actually seen that they've seen a slowdown as well because day-to-day operations were just cancelled overnight. And so that that attention, that shifting to um, A&E wards, et cetera, that might not be your niche business. So for some, this has been a really mixed time um, and it's just starting to pick up now. But one of the key problems that members in these sectors are saying to us is that waiting lists have doubled. So what is going to be the plan for the long-term sustainability and and how are NHS trusts going to manage that? They're going to need to work hand in glove with their uh, supply agencies um, and have really good and clear policies in place. Um, And across the public sector, social work, social care, they have seen an extraordinary burden placed on their resources and the agencies supplying to those sectors are feeling the same. That's really a really good insight, Kate, and I think it speaks again to that theme of um, the need to get away from uh, maybe some of the language we've seen coming out of health and social care in the past of um, the agencies being on one side and the NHS being the other and trying to build a real partnership. Funnily enough, the, the, we are seeing aspects of that kind of partnership in other bits of our, our work with government. When we all know that there's going to be a spike in unemployment through the second half of the year um, and that uh, job centres' uh, capacity to deal with that will be limited by all sorts of factors. Um, 
Tom, I know you've been talking a lot to DWP about how the industry can step up and help. And of course, these things link together with the general view that we at the REC are trying to drive of the huge economic and social value of mm. uh, of the sector and helping the, the the country build back better from where we are. But just give us an insight to the discussions we're having with DWP. Yeah, and uh, and great segue there, by the way. <laughs> um, so I think the... Um, I mean, the work we've been doing with DWP for quite a while now has been really on that theme of collaboration. Symbolically, that's great. Public sector, private sector working together. I think the problem we're trying to fix at the moment is there's going to be a lot of people looking for work, unfortunately losing their jobs because of the COVID crisis. So how do we in this country help people to bounce back into new work, especially when you're having to move into a whole different sector now? A lot of people say there's there's a shortfall of thousands, tens of thousands of people in job centres would be needed to provide the right level of service and our picture is very clear it's why not harness the existing expertise that's already out there in the recruitment sector to provide that little bit of extra guidance and support to job seekers so we did a similar scheme in the economic downturn of 2008-2009 so building on that harnessing the expertise of our members helping to equip people with the right uh, awareness aspiration hope confidence to to approach the jobs market at a time we know it's going to be tough and uh, we're already starting to look at uh, a bit of a pilot scheme looking at east london job seekers in east london we've had a few members come forward already for that and again we think it's a great opportunity for showcasing the role our industry plays in in, in building a, a great jobs market helping employers but also helping job seekers at a time of need as part of that a real opportunity to uh, build some business working to government and helping support mm. job, job seekers at a time when client demand more generally is low so an opportunity to both do good and uh, use uh, the sector's skills to uh, appropriately to keep uh, the sector going productively as we hopefully snap back but mm. certainly recover uh, out of the the slowdown of the past few months yeah and we are conscious that uh, if you're running a recruitment business you can't spend hours and hours giving briefing and support so there would need to be some uh, some cost cost some some money recompense actually for the work that recruits are doing in this space but if you look at it from the perspective of government of the taxpayer that's a massive cost saving rather than trying to bring all this expertise into job centers you're just tapping into what's already out there so yes you need to pay potentially for the time of recruiters but we think that would be a win-win for everybody moving forward yeah and absolutely a quicker bounce back on yeah. uh, on uh, uh, ordinary uh, recruitment and staffing work as we get through the uh, uh, the crisis because the members will come out of the uh, mm. uh, the crisis in better shape. I think that that piece around um, uh, changing shape to meet the changing world is uh, what is another thing that I, I want to dig down on on today's mm. podcast. And and Kate, we've uh, we've talked a lot recently uh, around what we're hearing from uh, from client businesses through the GRC. I know Tom's had a, a number of discussions. Uh, I was going to say around the country. Of course, he was always in Barnet, but the, the people he was talking to uh, were around the country about uh, what they're seeing. And I, I think there's definitely some clear trends uh, developing around. The acceleration of plans on the client side, you know, pulling things forward to now that might have happened later this year, next year, or even the year after. Much greater focus on kind of where the future areas of skills, needs, and growth are. So get getting close to hiring plans that are only being developed out of business plans now. 
clearly a lot of uh, focus on the social impact of any decisions made and it, you don't have to go far in this debate to to be thinking about inclusion the kind of agenda that we are all having to face up to in the light of the black lives matter campaign um and i think that that sunlight on on how businesses make resourcing decisions uh, will not go away people will remember how businesses behaved in the crisis and they'll remember how they reacted to things like the Black Lives Matter campaign. So the whole um, slew of kind of top of the business, C-suite driven resourcing change happening uh, that that recruiters uh, will have to get close to and think about how it changes their business. when we talked about this uh, just recently, there are some pretty clear steps, I think, that that we're starting to see lots of REC members look at uh, around how you do that. What uh, what would you draw out uh, as particular themes in those? Completely right. Is I don't think any one of us foresaw this particular crisis. Uh, our team had a bit of a laugh about how it wasn't in our business plan for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was in our business plan for the year and what was in most business plans for the year was a, um, a suspicion of economic slowdown, global recession coming our way. And you're right, This is all this has done in some ways in a totally different way than expected, but it has accelerated what were plans that were being spoken of and were needing to happen. So the, the big themes that we've seen and in from member conversations that are really the lessons, if you like, that are worth carrying forward have been around the, the focus on us as individuals. So that personal and ethical um, responsibility that every employer has to their people and about how we work together um, during these difficult times and that we have all the right people in the right places and that they're, they're working in a fulfilled way um, and in a way that allows them to have that work-life balance. I don't think that's going to be lost after this. I think there's going to be an even greater focus talking about how the lockdown and uh, the closure of schools has affected our children. That's going to be hugely important in um, going forward and that part of everybody's responsibility when we're back to work of what do we do about that and how how do we manage that difference. Mm. There's also the technological uh, developments. So, so thinking about how it has just accelerated plans. Lots of us had plans to have online platforms and uh, and digital meeting spaces that we never quite got around to using, but now are having to use and have adopted really quickly out of necessity. So, how do we best use those um, in every um, in every aspect and to to best effect in our business, but without you losing that personal. Um, sense of uh, collaboration across uh, business owners and just really and not losing that personal relationship with either your clients or with your own staff is is definitely a theme. Um, and the international um, argument has become more and more powerful about whether um, it's the time to be operating internationally because of some of these developments, um, whether it's time to invest more there or in different sectors. So whether it's about um, specialising in uh, a particular niche or broadening your offer in some way, those tend to be the themes that are coming across. Mm. And I think that that piece around the different market in which we exist, certainly a lot of more interest in the ethics with which we do business, supply chain transparency, um, 
hugely important. We've already talked with Tom earlier about um, helping with tra- people with transitions uh, from shrinking bits of uh, the economy to growing bits of the, the economy. But of course, one of the most important things is all of the industry's clients are facing pretty fundamental questions. And yeah, the businesses that are going to bounce out of that are the ones who are going to not focus on where we've been, but everything you've just talked about, Kate, which is how do we solve our clients' problem based on where they are now and do that at a pretty senior level, that kind of service-based proposition for, 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 for the sector. And some of that will be about skills because of the technology. Some of it will be about a changing structure to how people uh, bring people uh, into their business. I've already seen evidence of uh, companies going back to uh, using uh, more external uh, recruitment support because of the change of uh, the change of skills that they need. There's a really big opportunity for businesses that get this right across different sectors, across different structures. Because I think we none of us know quite how the the balance of temp and perm will play out over the next year because. Um, yeah, traditionally, temp goes up a bit in a in a recession. It might go up a bit more this time because we don't know about a second peak and and where we might be in the autumn. So that that potentially uh, uh, changes the balance of activity across the sector. There's a whole slew of things here where um, I think the the business leaders that I'm talking to around the sector are thinking one, well, who's my client and how do I get uh, senior enough to them and coming back to something actually Ruth Penfold said on an episode of this podcast a few weeks back how do I give them something that shows I can solve their problem mm. even if they're not necessarily hiring now completely um, and I think the um the thing there about being close to your client the ones that we've seen over time of being the most successful recruitment businesses and have that growth strategy is they they absolutely are focused on their consultancy services they talk about themselves as consultants they are true consultants to the c- client and and that being able to be along the journey with the client all the way through um, and understanding their needs and how you can best solve um, their problems, understand their problems, be part of that uh, discovery phase for them is the ones that we've seen have, have really taken off since the last recession, actually. Mm-hmm. And there's been some good examples quite recently, haven't they? And this this is happening now. So uh, picking up some of the feedback from members on the, on the Northern Ireland webinar we did last week. So clients asking their recruitment partners for advice on how to manage the return to work process. And isn't that great to hear? So I think we're getting to a position where we've, we've talked for a long time about providing added value, more strategic conversations. We're, we're being in the position now where we can show rather than tell. And I think a big part of the work of the REC is to showcase those examples and, and help to move move things on because there are real opportunities for more strategic conversations. It's about equipping our frontline colleagues with the skills and expertise to do that. But we think there's there's huge opportunities ahead, absolutely. I think that's a really good insight, uh, Tom. And obviously, there's lots of material on the REC website available for for members in ter- terms of, for instance, having that discussion about the safe return to work. Mm. Um, but Kate, I know the team's been pulling together some thoughts about maybe some of the lessons we've learned through this from the sector and just trying to uh, give people a, a, a sense of direction in what we're, what we're hearing. So why don't you update us on, on what the team's been up to? So we, we've developed a series of um, products, if you like, over the uh, last few months while we've all been in lockdown. So we've been 
we you've been listening to our regular podcasts and we've been holding webinars um and, and as tom says they've been uh, across the country although all virtual um and by sector as well and what we've done is we've brought all of these together into our essential business lessons for recruitment leaders during this time and about what we think are the fundamental things that you need to keep um in place as you go forward because Yes, there's going to be an uptick, but the likelihood of it being immediate is not apparent to anybody right now. So what is it that we're going to really learn from, from this time and to, to come out of the crisis stronger? So as of Monday, the 29th of June, we will have a suite of essential business lessons for recruitment leaders on the REC website. It goes into themes in quite some depth around uh, people and performance, business strategy, things like labour market um, statistics latest, uh, all in one place. Um, downloadable guides to make it as easy as possible for members to to access that information so really good content there for people to start their journey of thinking about what's next and and the lessons uh, the lessons of this crisis and obviously your rec team here to to help with any questions and uh, any linkages that that uh, suggest themselves as as recruiters go through that so really good bit of innovation uh, innovation there really Good to hear that update around uh, what the REC has been up to with government from Tom. But I think importantly, now we're at this stage where we're thinking about the role and purpose, the social and economic value of the sector and what we're going to contribute in that recovery, which, as Kate says, uh, you know, while there's likely to be quite a swift uh, bounce back some of the way because pubs are open again. Great. The final yards of that might take a little longer. We don't know about that yet. But what we do know is that things won't go back entirely to the way they were before. So making sure that you're thinking about where your clients are and what you can offer them. Really important. Of course, the REC is always here to help recruiters with all of that. Uh, Kate, Tom, uh, thank you very much for joining me on the on the pod today. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. Uh, do uh, tune in again for the next episode. If you're uh, hungry for more, I uh, can heartily recommend uh, episode 25 with KPMG talking about uh, getting ready for M&A and financing activities and some of the, the thoughts that uh, they have looking at the, uh, at the sector and what's going on right now. Uh, very inter- interesting on the subject of how much PE money is looking at the sector, sector now that... Uh, uh, we've had a significant correction through through the crash. Alternatively, if you're interested in leadership in a time of change, episode 24 with Susan Clues of ACAS. Good listen, thinking about what the role of leader, leaders are as we build out of the uh, lockdown and into the recovery. But for now, thank you very much for joining us and do join us again on another episode of the REC podcast. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this episode helpful. Head to our COVID-19 hub on www.rec.uk.com forward slash COVID-19 for the latest guidance on managing your business during these unprecedented times.